Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So some of you might know that um, I went to grad school at Baylor. Shout out to the Bears, Kelly. That was where I was really thinking about you this morning. Shout out to the Baylor Bears. So one day I met our house. We lived in, and that's in Waco, Texas. Um, we rented a house that uh, they had converted the front porch to kind of a sunroom, you know, nice windows on a beautiful room. It's in Texas, so it's a good four seasons room, you know. So um, I, I'm in there practicing one day because I kind of made it my practice room because it's a very pleasant place to be. And I'm in there practicing like I was every day. And I hear this big crash next door, the house next door. And these, this is one of those neighborhoods where the houses are kind of close together. I mean, it was a crash. Like, I thought the tree next door must have fallen on this house. Set my base down. I go over and I look out the window. And there's this car that has run into the house and hit it so hard that it has actually moved the wall off the foundation. And the uh, wheel is kind of spinning on the car. I was like, wow, that's the weirdest thing I had ever seen. Some kid was just driving too fast. There was a, a T intersection. He was just driving. There's actually a stop sign here. So he ran the stop sign, ran through, couldn't make this corner. I was thinking, you know, 18 more feet, maybe 16 more feet, they, he would have been in my lap and crashed into my base, all right? So I, this kid hits a house. I thought, you know, I've never heard of anything like this happening. Since then, I've never really thought about it and really, think, or really heard about it, but until recently. And I thought, you know, this is a good reason for us to play your favorite game show and mine, who it is. At least I think that's who this is. It was very confusing when I was trying to find this. The guy's name, his first name is Manfred. And is, he's German, and it's not easy. Sedlazic? Sedlazic? I don't know. So anyway, Manford is a very talented carpenter. And, one, and he and his wife, with the help of his wife, they built their own house in an even harder place to pronounce, Karl Schofen, northern Germany. Why would I rather read Hebrew than this German stuff, right? In northern Germany. Okay, so the only trouble was they built this house on a very busy street, and there was a corner on this very busy street, and cars kept running into their house, and several times that they ran into the house. The tenth time that something ran into their house was a 10-ton semi. So old Manford comes home from the grocery store, and he sees this, parked in his living room kind of thing, this brick home, right? Coming home from the grocery store, it's 136,000. This was not too long ago. This was in the 2000s. Of course, I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that the fact that what, the year 2000 was 23 years ago. That's, I don't think about that for a second. My back hurts. Anyway, poor old Manford was quoted as saying that he thought he had built his own tomb, right? $136,000 of damage at this time alone. And just so you know that this sort of thing doesn't just happen, you know, in some exotic places, it happens more often than you would guess in places that you wouldn't uh, want to guess. As I was preparing kind of for this message, I was scrolling through some news feeds, and I found this article on WBAY. And I don't know if you can see the article or the date on it, but it's August 22nd, so like a week ago, right? And this guy um, has, he lives in, what is it? Um, he lives in Swamico, right? That's all in the article. So it, it, the name is... Um, Cornelius, that would be the coolest first name in the history of names. I mean, that's even better than Zerubbabel. But all right, Cornelius, is that Van Evenhoven? Can you guys see that? Is that like the, the hardware store in De Pere? All right, Van Evenhoven. All right, whoo. Give that to some of those new Packer players to try to pronounce, right? Okay, so it's got, he got hit by a car. And again, this is not, not an ob, or a, a one-time thing. It's been hit, his house has been hit three times in the last seven years, right? And this article is about him going to the city or somebody trying to get a guardrail put up. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure we can do that. But, and so, all right, so listening to these people getting hit repetitive times, I mean, the one uh, next, to, next door to me was kind of a one-off kind of thing, but these other ones are repetitive, 10 times. And you think, you know, it's got to leave us all wondering the same thing, you know, why, why don't these people just move? 
right? Why don't, why don't they, they do something else, right? And so, you know, why am I telling you these funny stories, right? Well, that's, that's kind of what we do here, right? So we think about the things that we do, um, you know, on a regular basis, right? This is kind of, um, kind of mimicking our lives that, you know, we get run into, uh, we get beat up, we sustain a lot of damage, and yet we continue to plug along just kind of hoping that it's not going to happen again, right? Well, we don't need a guardrail there. Let's just hope it doesn't happen again. You know, we don't need to move that house because it's only been 10 times, you know, that you've been hit. It's not going to happen again, right? So we're here. We're going to come back to some of those thoughts in a second here, but we're currently deep into our series that we've, enti- that we've titled Identity, right? We're digging into our identity uh, we're digging into where we put our identity. We're putting it, digging into uh, what we believe about ourselves. Because if you've been with, here, with me here, uh, you'll remember that the way we define our identity, right? might not be in the dictionary like this, but the way we define our identity is two things. Who, we believe, who you believe you are. That's your identity. Who you believe you are. Right? And the other one that's closely related to that, yet completely different, what you believe about yourself. Because those two concepts, those two ideas that you're looking at right there, determine and dictate our actions and our behaviors. And that plays out into your reality. Right? But we got to be careful because those two concepts, who you believe you are and what you believe about yourself, can get drilled into our minds in some unhealthy, from unhealthy sources and in unhealthy ways. Um, I don't watch a lot of movies, but uh, one of my favorite movies is um, Seabiscuit. Jared's got a picture of it here, Seabiscuit. It's a, a movie about a horse back in the 30s. Seabiscuit, uh, the horse, uh, was the grandson of Man of War. Maybe some of you have heard of that horse. The grandson of Man of War. And in, I think, 1937, um, they had a match race. Most of this movie is true. They had a match race. He ran against a, a horse that had won the Triple, co- triple Crown. A horse was named War Admiral, and he beat them, beat them handedly. But before Seabiscuit became a champion... Um, he was not considered to be uh, a worthy horse. He wasn't considered to be he was a very um, a thoroughbred. You know, we had all the lineage. Like I said, grandfather was man of war, but that horse just wasn't panning out. Like a lot of them just don't pan out as much as they want to. So before he became a champion, he was used as kind of a prop horse uh, to train other horses how to win. So they'd be coming up to the line, and they would hold Seabiscuit back so the other horse could get used to winning, get used to the feel of winning, get used to that desire of winning. So they held him back, right? And so then when they finally were racing him for real, he did, Seabiscuit did, just what his identity told him to do. He lost because that's what he believed about himself. That's who he believed he was, right? The second place or the loser. But in this horse's case, like we talked about last week, that identity became not an identity, but it became a, a lie identity. That, became, that was a lie. That's not who he was, right? Again, that horse just knew better believed better about himself. And so we're getting to the point that I want you to take home with you today. Go out in the parking lot and talk about. Um, My point for you this morning um, starts to center around uh, one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite authors. And actually, Sue um, gave him a shout-out back in June as well. And that's A.W. Tozer. And the quote goes like this. "What, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, you guys have heard me say this on several occasions. Because it's that important. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, I submit to you this morning that the second most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you say your own name. 
That, my friends, is your identity. That is your self-appraisal. Other than your relationship with God, it's the most important thing about you, what you think about yourself, what you believe about yourself, who you believe you are. And as I've said, your identity is like the hub of the wheel, right? It's got different spokes coming out. It's got different actions. It's got different things going on, but it always goes back to that hub, right? Or the sun and the solar system. Everything else kind of just revolves around it, but without that source of power and that source, the universe or our solar system wouldn't be anything. I got a deck of cards here. Somebody give me help with a card trick? Sunken down? You, sir. A tall one right there. Would you give me some help? Give him a big round of applause. I was going to do this as a children's sermon, but then I kind of forgot about it. So just for the record, please state your name. I'm Mike. He's Mike. Um, did you sign the waiver when you came in? Did you sign the waiver when you came in? All right. So, um, so I would like you to just um, anywhere at all. Here, let's just shuffle these real quick. Anywhere at all, just cut those cards. We're going to pick one and take that one. All right. Now, uh, take a good look at it. Show it to the, the crowd. <laughs> Slide it back in the deck somewhere. Please put it back in the deck. Is he putting it back in the deck? All right. I'll shuffle it around a little bit. All right, so now, like I said, our identity is many different things. There are 52 cards in this deck, right? 52 cards in this deck. Oh, I didn't show you that they're all different. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking. <laughs> Did you put it in the middle? I don't know. Why is it keeping them on the bottom? <laughs> all right. So my point here is this. There are many different cards in the deck, right? And there are many different things that we can do in our lives. There are many different choices we can make. But at different times, we have different priorities in our lives. So one card out of that deck became the priority, right? You could have picked anyone you want, and you just cut it anywhere randomly, right? Yep. And you could have just picked it anywhere, right? And it could have just ended up on the top, right? Mm -hmm. But what are the odds of that? One out of 52. It's actually way more than that. <laughs> How is this thing? You Maybe I just accidentally dropped one here. All right, let's get real here. Oh, is that it? I don't know. I think that's it. Is that it? No. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's where you applaud. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so I'm not the best card trick guy. But the point being... He could have picked any card, right? And we can make a lot of decisions in our lives, and we can do a lot of different things. I forgot your lollipop. I'll get you that in a second, all right? But like I said, sometimes one thing becomes a priority over everything else. He could have picked any card in that deck, but that seven of hearts, wasn't it, became the priority that we were talking about. But it could have been anything, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about here today. Um, when we're talking about the spoke of the wheel, I'm going to talk about that, or spokes on a wheel, I'm going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to talk about the different cards in the deck because sometimes something becomes more important than other things. 
And when we give that over to Jesus, right, when we give our life over to Jesus, he's going to shuffle things around. He's going to put things in order that he wants them in. He's going to put the things on the top that he wants us to have on the top. Reshuffle that deck. Move parts of your identity uh, to the top of that priority list. And so the band today played um, that song that I promised you. I played a snippet of it last week, Hello, My Name Is. And enough of you said, hey, could you guys just actually play that song? And, you know, and every verse in that song is different, right? Just like... Um, the different names to identify with. And they're all different for us, too, right? We're all sitting here thinking about different, maybe negative de- uh, names and identities that we can identify with, right? Um, but, you know, like I said, they're all different. And they're all different in that song, too. But to collectively, those names in us kind of rhyme together. But the key line, key line in that song, uh, the verse is, uh, says, um, Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget. But then we come to the realization that these are the voices, these are the lies that are being told to us from different places, being told that we're not a winning horse, that we're a losing horse, right? Those are the lies. And, and then uh, the line in the song says, I'm not going to believe them anymore. I believe that for the very last time. I'm not going to believe them anymore or any longer. Understanding that we at one point did believe those, right? But now we're making the choice to not believe those. We're, believe, we're making the choice to believe something else, that we are something else. Out with the old, in with the new. That's why we talked about the new wine and new wineskins, right? If we try to put it in the old wineskin, it's going to burst, right? It's a waste of time. It's being a waste of time. We spend way too much time of our lives worrying about what other people think about our identity, about us. And before you say, oh, no, 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 I don't. I don't do that, right? Don't, uh, no, uh, you know, we think about other people. We want to be respected. We want to be admired. We want to be appreciated, right? Yes, you do, right? Don't try to tell me or anyone else or yourself that you don't want that. Many things in our lives, and maybe for some of us, most of the things in your life you do to gain the respect and opinions of other people. But the question that we should be asking ourselves is why do we worry so much and base our identity and our sense of self-worth based on the opinions of other flawed creatures and other uh, flawed beings when God's view of us is really the only thing that matters? God's view of us is the only thing that really matters. And I know that makes sense to us here. Right? Let's just get real for a second. When we're sitting here in what I call this sterile laboratory environment, you know, we have different answers. We have different things that we say. But what about the other 99% of your life that you spend out of here? What about that? What about the time you're not here? How do we think about that? And if you're still pretending you don't know what I mean, let me just ask you this. Does your language change when you walk in this door? Is your language different when you're out in the 99% out there? Right? So when we talk about our identity, where we put our identity, when we talk about that we are actually living for others more than we would admit, we're not living for God as much as we would like to believe. Right? To understand that we're a house that gets plowed into and there's bricks laying all over the place. Right? Like I say, in here it's easy. In these pews it's easy. Wednesday night with youth group it's easy. Sunday morning, Sunday school, it's easy, but then we got to go out, walk out the door. Where do we put our identity, and what do we think about God? So you might be left wondering why someone would continue to live in the same house that gets hit by a car and gets hit by semis on a regular basis. I'm going to ask you why you continue to live into your definition, your definition of your identity. 
when the most important question we can really ask about our identity is this right here. Who does God say I am? That's the most important part of our identity. Who does God say I am? Remember the song we sang earlier that Hello My Name Is? Hello My Name Is? These are the voices, these are the lies. But you know, the most important line in this thing is, what love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. What love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. And just now, this is for those of you who still have a bee in your bonnet about contemporary music. And, oh my goodness, they got a drum set and they got a guitar and they're singing rock and roll in here. What's going on? Where are my hymns, right? Think, oh, you just sing the same words over and over. They're just, no, we're actually singing scripture like most of the time. And I want to show you that with that line. What love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. Now, this isn't the most common verse in the Bible, but here it is. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us. Upon us is New King James. That we should be called what? Children of God. And that, my friends, is who we are. God is not shy. He's not timid about expressing his boundless love, is how he calls it, his boundless love for us. That we are his beloved children. How about staying with, uh, with John for a second, but going to John uh, chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed and accepted him, Christ, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I think it is. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. How about Galatians 3, 26? For you are all children of God through Christ Jesus. For those of you keeping score at home, we go to Romans 8, uh, Romans 8, 17. Since we are his children, we are joint heirs with Christ. Isaiah 43, verse 1, I have called you by name, right? My name take fell off because of my guitar strap. I've called you by name, and you are mine. So number one, the most important thing for you to think about in your identity, when you're putting in your identity, is you are his beloved child. Number two and three, maybe, here, you are chosen and adopted. Ephesians 1.4, the first part of it says, this is poetry here. I mean, take this home with you, Ephesians 4. Even before he made the world, before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. So did you earn this? Before he made the, that was day one, by the way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And before he did that, he loved us and he chose us, called us his children. Your beloved children, you are chosen and adopted. You are redeemed. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Right? Redeemed means to be bought with a price. 
You've been bought out of slavery, and now you are joint heirs with Christ. And since you are redeemed, you are valuable. You are valuable. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses, for we are God's what? You guys out there? For we are God's what? We are his masterpiece. In the Greek, poemia, like a poem. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, not random lumps of clay. God says you are the result of his artistic skill and craftsmanship made in his image. But the most important thing we need to hear this morning, most important thing we need to hear this morning, Scott, can I get a drum roll, please? Is that you are made new. So instead of just looking at a list up on the board, I want you to change the, the words here. And I am, right? I am his beloved child. So we're going to read these together. Instead of saying you are, we're going to say I am. Right? Here we go. I am his beloved child. I am chosen and adopted. I am redeemed. I am valuable. I am made new. You are made new. I could have picked a dozen verses here. I went with 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. Yeah. See also Ezekiel 36.26. We've used all these along the line here in our, our uh, series. Ephesians 4.24. Ezekiel 11.19. Psalm 51.10. Isaiah 43, verse 1, which I should have put up on the board this morning, apparently. Now, when you came in the door this morning, you put on a tag, right? Put on a name tag, and you wrote your name on it, and then you wrote your identity in Christ. Now, suppose you were given another name tag, and I said, write your identity on this one. And what you would write is going to be based on where you are. Your identity changes from place to place. That's why I say it's like uh, the hub of the wheel and there's different spokes. When I was in basic training, my identity was that I was from Wisconsin. When I was at my family reunion, my identity was whose son I was. When you're hanging out with a bunch of musicians, your identity is what instrument you play. When you're hanging out with other people, sometimes your identity is your job. The hub of the wheel and the spokes on that wheel. But unless the hub of that wheel is one of these things that we talked about. Jared, can we put that back up there? Beloved child, chosen and adopted. Unless the hub is one of these things, the spokes aren't going to really matter. So what are you going to put on that name tag? What are you going to put on that identity? Is it your occupation? Is it what, whose kid you are? Is it what city you're staying from? Or who your kid is? You know, sometimes I've identified as Lillian's dad. Or maybe you'd write a tragedy that you've experienced. 
You're a widow, you're homeless, something you've struggled with. You've gone to meetings that said, you know, you wrote on that, on that name tag that you're an alcoholic or that you're an addicted to something. Our identity changes where we go, but that hub can't change. If the hub isn't one of these things or something very close to that that you're coming up with in your own mind, or maybe you'd write your, one of your accomplishments on there. You know, I'm a college grad or I'm an athlete. But here's the deal. God created you and he gets to write the script. He's asking you to identify with one of these things. So since we put our names on those name tags, we're going to change the words of this again. And you're going to say, instead of you, you're going to say your first name is. So I'm going to say Gary is his beloved child. So together we're going to say that. Everybody, would you please stand with me? So say your name is his beloved child. Ready? Gary is his beloved child. Gary is chosen and adopted. Gary is redeemed. Gary is valuable. Gary is made new. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for bringing, in this door, uh, bringing us in this door with you to experience your presence and to experience your wisdom, to hear your words, your words of truth about who we are and how we work in your kingdom. And not that we're telling ourselves lies or anybody else's lies or anybody else's lies, but we get our priorities mixed up. And the fact is, when we're not in this building and we're not with these like-minded people in this one hour of the week, our priorities change. Our identity changes. How we view you changes. I'm asking you, Lord, to be more present in our lives, to just be more powerful, to be more of a priority for all of us, to help us to just get better at what we're already doing. You said that you have made us new. We ask that you help us to remember that you've made us new. We ask that you help us to remember that you have adopted us. We ask you to help us to remember that before you made the world, before you laid the foundation, you loved us. That's the main thing in our lives. You chose us. You bought us with a price. That means we're redeemed. So again, I thank you, Lord, for valuing us, even though we don't deserve it. But you are there for us because you created us because you loved us. So thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. Thank you for being our creator. Thank you for being our savior. Thank you for helping us to put our in you, the hub of that wheel, the, su the sun of that solar system. Help us to revolve around who you are and how you work in our lives. Yes, we'll answer that question differently at different times because that's who we are and that's what we do. But don't let us forget who we are and don't forget whose we are. So thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our teacher. Before we walk out of this door this morning, Lord, we want to also pray the prayer that